I'm Haley Oaks, and this is Milk Trails. A journey in the out-of-hospital birth experience. At 40 weeks pregnant, first-time parents Rory and Gabrielle planning a home birth were evacuated from their apartment due to Hurricane Irma. They found shelter at a local hospital while their midwife was forced to leave town. Almost a week later, barely settled back into their home and with their midwife still a few hours away, Rory went into labor. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much. So, as you may know, um, Florida hospitals have one of the highest C-section rates in the country, with some being upwards of 68%. And so the fact that you not only had a vaginal birth, but an out-of-hospital birth means that you were truly one of the exceptions and not the rule amongst your fellow Floridians. So how did you know to question this norm? Um, gosh, how did I know to question it? Well, I had some experiences, um, you know, with different OBs. I was open to having um, a hospital birth at first, um, albeit natural or unmedicated. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel supported um, you know, with that choice and I had some eye rolls and, um, you know, I had a friend who had a home birth with a midwife and the idea of a midwife and, you know, uh, was, was sort of romantic and and wonderful, but I was, I couldn't imagine it in my own living room. Mm. Um, but the more, you know, like here, um, Plus, my mom is a nurse, and I think I was, like, worried about getting approval mm-hmm. or acceptance from, from family or friends. And mm-hmm. um, But I knew the more I educated myself, uh, I knew that everything that I wanted um, couldn't happen in the hospital. And, mm-hmm. you know, although we have no control over how everything goes, and if something were to happen and, you know, God forbid, you, you, you need to have a cesarean, great. You know, it's there, it's available, the technology's there, mm-hmm. but I wanted the choice and I wanted, um, I wanted it at home. Cool. So at what point did you meet your midwife? So I, <laughs> I have been researching, um, all things birth, uh, embarrassingly early on, um, <laughs> you know, like two years before I was even pregnant, I just became fascinated with it. Mm-hmm. So after my friend had her baby, um, I sent an email to her midwife, um, and I just felt connected to her, even though I had never met her. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it was always kind of in the back of my mind that, um, you know, I would reach out to her when the time was right. Um, but like I said, I, I, I had some, you know, some prenatal visits with an OB at the hospital and it just never felt right. So, um, you know, I reached out to her, my husband and I met her and, um, you know, she stayed with us for, um, I think like an hour and a half or maybe two hours just, just mm-hmm. to meet her. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, she was it, we had a connection and, um, and, and I was so happy that, uh, that I was going to move forward with her. At what point in this, uh, what point was this in your pregnancy? Uh, let's see. It was a little bit early on, and I think I, there was sort of a transition period where I was like, I wanted to, you know, finish out some um, blood work and things. I, I think I was really tied to this, like, idea of insurance and what I needed to do with insurance in the mm-hmm. hospital. And, mm-hmm. you know, my midwife, you know, did all, could do everything that the, that the OPs could do for prenatal checks anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just wanted to sort of give it a fair 
chance with the OB. So I think I transitioned to her care maybe six months. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty common. I find that it's kind of like almost, you know, over halfway, you start thinking about the birth and you are having discussions with your OB and you realize that some of the things that you desire aren't always in line with what they can offer at the hospital. Yeah. I I remember I, yeah, so I had researched OBs and I was really trying to find one that I felt was like a little more um, open, you know, and I, so one I found was a younger woman who, um, you know, was supportive of VBACs. And I'm like, there you go. She's like progressive for the hospital. But I went in one day with a little index card of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was asking her about, you know, delayed cord clamping and I mean, all these, all of these questions that were important to me, um, for what I, you know, what I could quote sort of get away with in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And she was rather annoyed with my questions. I Mm -hmm. felt, um, you know, she was a little short and I felt a little uncomfortable. And then later on, I realized that the index card I was holding, like the, the part facing her said something like hospital birth, too restrictive or something. So <laughs> I, you know, I didn't want to be like a difficult patient, but that's kind of how I felt just by simply asking her questions. And it was so, such a stark contrast mm. um, with my the hour and a half uh, consultation with the midwife. So what were some of the things that you were questioning? Like what were some important factors to you in, in your birth experience? You mentioned delayed Um, cord clamping, like that's a big one. Yeah, that was a big one, but it was also the word delayed. I mean, I wanted to, what if I wanted it an hour? Mm -hmm. What if I wanted two hours? I felt very, protective and possessive over my creation and my body and um you know the she told me that I would have to have the electronic fetal monitoring and that felt very restrictive to me um I didn't want uh, an epidural not because I thought you know it was heroic not to but Mm -hmm. because I felt I feel claustrophobic. I, my friends have told me, no, I couldn't move my legs. I couldn't get up. I wanted to be able to move around in any position I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to wear a hospital gown. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have bright lights. I didn't want to have uh, curt nurses walking in. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted something private um, and special. And although, of course, it's special, and no matter what, mm-hmm. I just didn't want um, to feel pressured or uncomfortable or not myself. Mm. And so I knew, um, that that would, that was going to happen at home. Interesting. I think that's kind of a key word of like feeling like yourself and being, and, and laboring at home is going to be probably the place where you're naturally going to be yourself and get into that space for some people, um, you know, to get into that space a little bit more easily. Um, so, you know, given that your mom's a nurse and um, concerned about judgments of, you know, from community members, were there any specific concerns that came up that you had to kind of or dispel some myths regarding out-of-hospital birth? Um, to be honest, I kind of kept this close to my chest. I wasn't the kind of person to, like, announce or brag or advertise that we were planning home birth. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it my husband did. My husband, you know, one time we went to a barbecue and he said, we're having a home birth. And everyone kind of like, what? And I, I turned red and said, 
would anyone care for a beer? (laughs) You know, I didn't know. I I felt very uncomfortable having Mm. to defend it because I don't think that I should. Um, Maybe educate people a little bit. When it came down to family, my mom was very open. You know, my mom is is an old school nurse, but she's Mm. of a progressive mind. Mm. And, um, you know, I... I, um, we talked. We talked about it, and mm-hmm. I told her my reasons, and she totally supported me. Mm-hmm. My mother-in-law and like my sister-in-law, I think we're a little bit. Um, <laughs> not that they weren't supportive. I think they had a lot of questions, um, and it's different when it's your your in-laws rather mm-hmm. than your own mom. You know, mm-hmm. so I think they were a little bit more polite about it, but I'm sure they had you know, strong reservations. Mm-hmm. Plus the, the, the word in Spanish for a midwife is parterra. Mm-hmm. And parterra, I think, sort of has a connotation of, I don't know, man, you know, you're in the jungle and right. you know, with a machete. I don't know, right. you know. So I think the, the, the idea that they had was just not what they're used to. But also, you know, my mother-in-law is also of a progressive mind. And I think mm-hmm. she really came around. And even if she had her reservations, everyone was really supportive. Mm-hmm. And what made you interested in looking into childbirth options a couple years prior to having your own child? Like, were you, were, did you know about then? your birth experience and you were curious by that? Or I'm always fascinated what kind of puts people I think, on that. I think when I look back on it, yeah, no, of course, my mom always, you know, I hear my birth story all the time for uh, every year at least, right, Aww. from my mom. <laughs> um, I think that when my, when I think about it, I remember, like, asking my friends who had had children, I was always asking them, like, nitty-gritty details that nobody else wanted to ask them just Mm. because I was um, fascinated. I don't know. I I was curious. I was fascinated. And it didn't really really occur to me um, how much there was to know and Mm -hmm. realizing how much people don't know. You know, I also know women who say, I don't want to know anything. I'll just go in there and trust the doctor. And... That wasn't my, um, that wasn't interesting to me. And the more I learned, um, the more fascinated I became. And, um, and it just all seemed so beautiful and, and I couldn't put words to it, but I just wanted, I was just hungry for information and not the kind of information that feeds your fears, you know, the Mm -hmm. kind of information that, that makes you, makes you want to know it firsthand, Mm -hmm. you know. I think that's interesting and cool that you kind of did the work ahead of time in that, and that you got to learn and ask those questions before you were pregnant. Obviously you asked more questions when you were pregnant, but it does, it does help to trust and be confident in the process when you know the range of what normal is and that like, and so nothing kind of scares you when you hear about, you know, there's bloody show and vomiting and you're like what like you hear about all that stuff ahead of time not to scare people but just to sort of like be familiar with all the you know the norms of labor that would have looked really abnormal outside of that and so it's cool that you got to ask those questions of course and 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 I'm you know of course at three in the morning I'm like bloody show googling Mm -hmm. you know like all of that I think that I'm also fascinated by the things that people don't talk about. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I really, I really wanted to, to know everything. Um, I think that also I was surprised that knowing so much doesn't quite serve you when it's, when it's your time, mm. you know, when you're in the throes of it, 
I, I had imagined that I would be like very cognizant of like, okay, I'm in early labor. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I imagined that I would be uh, fully aware of when I was in transition. Mm-hmm. And none of that happened at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, at one point, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to this moment later in a moment, but I asked my midwife, do you think I'm in transition yet? And she was like, oh. No, I think you're way past that. So I, I was surprised at how, even though I had all these, uh, all this knowledge, mm. um, and at, at the end of the day, when you're in it, you just gotta hold on and, and let go at the same time. Yeah, it is kind of the the um, the model of birth is like you know 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 a lot about it but also be prepared to throw everything out the window because yeah. it can look so different for you and to be attached to the stages or the you know signs and it then can actually hold things up in a way mm-hmm. yeah good point um so tell me about the experience of hurricane irma hitting miami and being evacuated just days before going into labor like what was that whole experience oh like it was surreal um because so my due date was september 4th which was labor day mm-hmm. and it was a monday and we spent the we spent the day with our friends down by the pool um you know barbecuing and just really celebrating and telling the baby we were ready and uh, I remember my neighbor said hey yeah but Rory, you know like the hurricane's coming right and i said what hurricane? Like, we had no idea. We're not watching TV. We're not into anything except baby bliss. Right. And sure enough, you know, there's a huge hurricane coming. <laughs> and um, so that was Monday. Um, Wednesday, we were walking um, outside, and my midwife called and said, look, you know, my house and my family, we, we live in the evacuation zone. They were just a couple blocks from the ocean. She mm. said, we have to get out of here. We're going to the mountains. We're going to Asheville. Do you and your husband want to come? So this is a couple of days past your due date, and your midwife this, has to leave. Yes. The midwife has to leave. Wow. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is really happening. And was there Should any plan, like, for her? Did she say, like, but I have someone in town? Of course. To back you course. up, if need be. Yes. There were, there were not only midwives that were um, staying in their homes, but there were midwives. She, she put me in contact with a midwife who, who works at a hospital. Now, although midwives don't have, you know, delivering privileges at the hospital, mm-hmm. there was a midwife, a contact that knew, that knew my midwife, and she was at a hospital. Um, plus, if we were in an evacuation zone, we, would, we had to uh, go to a hospital also. So our options were, you know, go to the mountains with my midwife and her family. <laughs> Uh, or stay here and see if we were to be evacuated, go to the hospital. Those are our options. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did put me in contact with other women, um, that, uh, other midwives who were down here. Uh, so it definitely was not sort of an, an abandonment, mm-hmm. you know, issue. It was it was devastating for mm-hmm. her also yeah. because she felt the same connection, you know, to me and to us that, that I felt to her, obviously. And it was it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, we were debating going up with her. Had we left when the midwife left, we could have made it to Asheville uh, in a short, in the regular driving time. Mm-hmm. But because we waited um, and debated, I heard stories of people on the, you know, driving from Miami to Orlando, and it took ten hours, which oh is normally gosh. like uh, five hours. So 
Wednesday night she left, and Thursday morning we just kind of were a little bit in shock trying to think of what to do and where to go. We weren't positive if we were going to be evacuated yet. Thursday evening we heard from our building that, yes, indeed, we did have to leave Friday afternoon. So between the midwife leaving and when we left our house, our apartment, it was awful because nothing was certain. And Mm. it was like grabbing at straws and trying to find out where to go because the hospital that I had, um, my contact, my midwife contact, Mm. was also the hospital that I had my my prenatal visits with my original OB. Mm. And we contacted her, and she said, yes, you can come to the hospital only if we induce you. Mm. She told us we had to go to a shelter. So it was actually through a friend in L.A. who contacted a friend in Dallas contacted a friend in Florida who told us about the hospital that would take us. So we packed up everything and we left on Friday um, to go to the hospital. Um, We spent the night there Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Monday night, we excuse me, Monday morning, we left the hospital, but we couldn't come back to our apartment because there was no electricity. We had terrible flooding. Mm. Um, We're we're up on the 25th floor and we Mm. don't have... uh, we, we have, you know, sliding doors and windows, and it, the apartment was just not prepared for a hurricane. Yeah. Um, so the, we couldn't come to the apartment. So Monday and Tuesday, we were with no midwife and no house. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So where did you, well, first of all, in the hospital, what was what were those conditions like? Like, how were you set up when you were kind of camping out there? It was amazing, to be honest. I, we were so impressed with the... Um, the organization and the warmth um, of our hospital experience because we got there Friday. They technically opened the door Saturday morning to the pregnant mama, mm-hmm. um, but we we showed up early because we didn't we didn't want to be turned away. Wow. Um, so we went up um, to I guess it was sort of like an auditorium, and they had spaces uh, taped off, so everyone sort of had. Um, it was about the size of, you know, a queen-size mattress, which was perfect because that was our, our blow-up mattress. And everyone sort of um, had their, their, their own space. We, we found ourselves sort of nesting in our own way mm. in the hospital because we chose a spot and it wasn't right. And then we chose another one later, a couple of hours later, and, and that wasn't right either. So we ended up in the auditorium. Wow. Um, and we had made some friends, and they were sort of traveling around with us. And, um, you know, we were trying to find our spot. We were nesting. Um, and the nurses and the staff were so amazing and warm. And throughout the weekend, we developed a routine. And we would wake up and go down and have breakfast in the cafeteria. And the food was amazing. And everyone, everyone was so, um, you know, they were all locked down, too. So all the people who were working there, they had, they had their families also in the hospital. So everyone was in it together. Um, you know, and after we would have breakfast, we would go to what we called our little office, which was really like the front of the hospital where we could charge our phones and just reply to all these messages and keep in touch with people. Um, I didn't want to walk around too much because I didn't want to, <laughs> you know, start. start mm-hmm. I had also had a lot of people, uh, not helpful, but telling me like, hey, you know, the pressure the pressure with the hurricane, that baby's going to come right out. Please don't tell me that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had really tried to make peace with the fact that, listen, the baby wants to come this weekend. We're in a hospital. We're not a shelter. So let's see what happens. Yeah. So it's so crazy that, you know, here you are planning a home birth and yet 
you know, you're nesting and you're, and you're getting ready to have your baby in the sense that like, you're sort of waiting for the baby, but in a hospital setting, like in the auditorium, it's just so wild. Did that, did that, did that mess with you mentally at all? Like, is this a sign? Is this, or did you kind of just stay very present with it? I stayed so present and I, I had to accept if it happens here, it happens here. I, 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 I never was attached to um, a specific way of this going down. You know, people were asking me, is it going to be in your bed? Is it going to be in the tub? And I would just say, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea how it's going to go. And I continue with that commitment. Um, I just had to trust. My midwife says, she's not going to come until next week anyway. Mm. You know, and I, and I really kind of had to trust that and trust the baby and um, surrender. You know, mm. yeah, again, if it happened in the hospital, not the worst place. Um, and just try not to be attached to any plan. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so after essentially successfully surviving one major natural but uncontrollable event <laughs> like a hurricane, did that feel like prep for giving birth in a way in that like you use the word surrender totally it was like there is another plan and you have to accept it and let it let it pass you know and I was yeah it was not lost on me the irony of surrender and control and lack thereof um, and trust and all of that yeah it was I guess I had had a quote easy pregnancy. Um, I never felt sick. I, you know, I barely had indigestion. Like mm-hmm. it was easy. It was fun, and I was kind of waiting for my test. Mm-hmm. I think in a way, mm-hmm. or you know, people say that you 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 learn you learn what you what you need to you know when you're pregnant or during birth. Mm-hmm. And I think I I needed to surrender um, and prove to myself how just how calm I could be. Mm. And I don't want to take, I don't want to take the credit for that because when I think about it, I really do feel like it was the baby who had this sort of, uh, all knowing, mm-hmm. you know, quiet, calm about him. Mm. And that helped me. Um, so yeah, the storm was, was the ultimate <laughs> metaphor. Wow. I think that's so, it's interesting that you brought up that everyone sort of has a test because I think, I do think that's the case. And sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's subtle, but I think, um, you know, at some point in the process, as you're transitioning to motherhood, there just, there needs to be this point in which it's just the utmost surrender. And whether that's, you know, fertility and trying to get pregnant or in the labor process or postpartum and breastfeeding, but I feel like everyone has it somewhere and it's, it's almost a necessary part. It's not like there's a part that's gone wrong and you've done something, you know, you've failed at that. It's just like, it's part of the, the journey of like, of kind of shedding old skin and, and, um, you know, welcoming the new, but, and also remembering that there's another, there's another person involved like that, like you mentioned, a yeah. baby, you know, and, yeah. and babies, they're so wise and they know, you know, and so to kind of like remember that it's your body, but also what's happening and who's inside kind of leading uh, the way. Yeah. 
Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, so when did you actually get back into your house? Well, even though the storm had passed us, it was, it was, you know, there was trouble to the north, right? Mm-hmm. So we, there was flooding in Jacksonville. There was gas outages in Georgia. And, and, you know, it was dangerous conditions for my midwife to come back. So she couldn't just come right back to us. Um, and she wasn't just with, I mean, she had four children and she had brought, you know, other, she was with other families and she was <laughs> protecting and taking care of so many people. And I know that she also just really wanted to come back down to us. So it was important to me, uh, to us, that she waited um, until it was right, but it was it was really hard So because we were no longer in the hospital mm-hmm. um, and we couldn't be in our home. So we were invited to stay at a friend's house who lived uh, a couple blocks from us. So surprisingly, our apartment was like the only one that was without power. Yeah, all the other places had their power. It wasn't like the whole city was knocked out. It was our place. Wow. Um, yeah, we lived in kind of an older building, and the the window we were, I guess we were not up to code or something. They, they're they're doing rent renovations now, <laughs> but um, yeah, we got we got really affected this building. Mm. So we stayed at a friend's a couple blocks away, um, which I wasn't. I wasn't happy about because I, I was so homesick, you know, Mm -hmm. it felt like forever. I just wanted to be home. Um, Monday morning after we um, left the hospital, Mm -hmm. we came back to our building to assess the damage and it was shocking. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just remember it was, it looked like a hurricane had come through and a tornado, which apparently a tornado did come through. Um, We talked to some people who had, you know, waited out the storm in the, in the building and, everyone was sort of sharing stories and I was just walking around eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, scratching my belly and like couldn't believe what was going on at the building. We went to our friend's house for Monday and we slept. We slept uh, so well um, and woke up, had some dinner, went back to bed. Tuesday, we were still out of our apartment, still at our friend's house and still no midwife. And it was like, at that point, I was, it was hard. It was really hard because I think in the hospital, there was still a sense of humor that mm-hmm. we had. And it also maybe like, it was sort of exciting mm-hmm. in a way. It was like so crazy that it was exciting. But to be in someone else's home and they're sort of carrying on with their normal daily activities. Mm-hmm. And we were just still like, what the hell is going to happen? What is going on? Um, and how far so past date. your due date were you at this point, or how many days? Eight days. Okay. Wow. Okay. Eight days um, and a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Tuesday evening, the midwife, we talked, and she said, all right, we are packing up tonight. Mm. We're barreling down that mountain. We're coming back to Miami. And I was so worried about her. I didn't know what was going on with the weather, and but I really wanted her back, you know, mm. Um so Wednesday morning, I woke up, my eyes slapped open. I said, oh, God, this is something I've never felt before. It was 7 a.m., and I felt a very, very low, subtle cramp, and I sent her a quick text, mm-hmm. and I said, how are you guys doing? Are you close to Miami? She said, yeah, we're about um, three hours. Mm-hmm. And I was like, excellent. <laughs> so at that point, I felt safe um, and relief total relief mm. and I knew that if she were here everything would be fine I didn't care if it was in our house 
uh, you know, wherever. We were on the phone with FEMA um, trying to um, trying to get uh, approval for a hotel. We thought maybe we were going to do this in a hotel, which, mm-hmm. you know, she told us she had done before. So um, we were making phone calls. We had to come back to our apartment to get some more baby stuff. And then we went back to our friend's house. So we were driving around a little in the morning and I was having these, you know, contractions, but I was just calling them cramps because mm-hmm. that's what they felt like. And how often were they um, coming? Would you remember? Like, were they, they regular? Were pretty consistent. Well, excuse me, I would say between seven and nine, they were very subtle and on and off, but they were pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I knew that. Um, and my husband said, if these are contractions and you're not telling me you're going to be in trouble. And I said, they're just cramps. Relax. This is just cramps, not a big deal. Because also, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what it was going to feel like. I didn't know how long it was going to be. Mm. So I told myself, these are just cramps because I don't want to call them contractions because mm-hmm. it's going to get way worse. Mm-hmm. I was imagining a 24-hour labor. I, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Right. So we got word that the midwife was home. She was assessing the damage in her home. Luckily, everything was okay. Miraculously, everything was okay. Mm. And the, the power came back on in our building at noon. And we left uh, our friend's house and came back home, labored at home, <laughs> cleaned the house between contractions, uh, which was ridiculous. But <laughs> our house was nest and we had to throw away all the food wow. the only thing in my refrigerator were my padsicles that I made <laughs> um, <laughs> so the house the carpet was ripped up because my husband had come up and ripped up the carpet the mold had set in so mm. it was a disaster so um you know I was laboring and um on my on my exercise ball mm-hmm. um labor really really picked up around uh three midwife arrived at four thirty and baby was born at 713. Wow. Do you think like, I mean, the distraction of having to clean and just kind of get like settled back in in between contractions helped or made, you know, helped, helped, helped what helped me uh, helped, uh, ignore the contraction. Yeah. Or just sort of help the process yeah. and that you were sort of out of your head, like, um, or just kind of not like obsessively watching the contractions. You were kind of busy doing something else in between. And then you would just let it happen when it happened or did it make the event make kind of the whole day more stressful and that you were dealing with no, two it, things? Was, it, it wasn't stressful it was a total distraction in the morning I think that I mean I knew I was being silly calling them cramps but again I was doing that because I didn't know how just how bad it was going to get mm-hmm. um but yes it was totally distracting coming home and trying to sort of do a a mad dash to organize or clean what we could. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I had kind of told you before, you know, I was, I was so aware beforehand of like the stages of labor that at that point it didn't, it didn't occur to me what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the point where the contract, like my husband had to time the contractions and they were, they were really intense. Um, there was no, there was no way I could be distracted. I was, mm-hmm. I was really in it. But mm-hmm. yes, of course, in the, in the couple hours beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I had plans, you know, of course, in my, in my head, I was like, maybe when I go into labor, I'll like bake a mm-hmm. banana bread or, you know, mm-hmm. no, I didn't, I couldn't do that. We didn't have any eggs. And also it was just, 
I didn't have time for any of that. Mm-hmm. So I had heard to that it helps to be distracted in those uh, in the early early stages, and it definitely was. Mm-hmm. And so by the time your midwife came over, what was the frequency? What was the pattern of contractions and? what state of mind were you and had you sort of crossed over already into that like labor land or for sure yeah I so when we were when we were laboring here at home I was sort of on my exercise ball and I was listening to some music and then at one point I had I threw my phone which I I, I threw my phone and I said I have to go into the, the bedroom so I had to sit on my exercise ball and sort of lean over the bed and um, call my husband when the contractions were coming because mm-hmm. at that point I needed him. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt, um, yeah, it, it, it came real strong. I wanted to throw up, which I didn't, which would have been fine. I, I wouldn't have cared. But we called the midwife then at, right when I was feeling like it hit me. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, you know, she, we talked for a little bit. She listened to me. And um, she said, okay, call me when it gets... Um, you know, she told Scotty, you know, the, the timing of it, call me, call me between when the contractions are, what is it, four, four minutes apart for mm-hmm. over an hour. All right. So actually, I'm looking right now at a piece of, at the paper that my husband started to, to mm-hmm. keep track. So at 3.29, my, uh, I had a contraction for a minute and 26 seconds. Wow. it's a long one. At 3.33, it was a two minute and seven seconds. At 3.42, a minute and 18. So so at 3.30, it was when it started to, to get really intense. Right. Um, the midwife didn't arrive until 4.30. Mm-hmm. So my last contraction that my husband had uh, kept track of was at 4.35. But, th- but at this point, it was every three minutes. Wow. So, so, yeah. Um, so midwife showed up not a minute too soon because they had just really picked up. And actually, I, I forgot to mention that our neighbor... Uh, came over because we didn't have any food and I was imagining like I would want a snack on fruit and yogurt mm. and we didn't have any so could the neighbor bring some some food over mm. so the neighbor came over at the same time that my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law were also bringing food over but they didn't know that I was in labor upstairs <laughs> so my husband had to run downstairs to get some you know fruit and yogurt and the neighbor came over with fruit and yogurt uh, and she helped me through a couple of, of really powerful contractions mm-hmm. and my husband went downstairs um, which was to be honest I needed a little break from him I remember he kept kind of saying the same thing over and over and I needed I needed a change yeah. um, and my, my neighbor was amazing she um, she kind of like uh, was laying down on the end of the bed and she, she really kind of like held me from, from behind mm-hmm. um, and really physically supported me that way and it was amazing Um I didn't eat any of that fruit and yogurt, by the way. Uh, but, you know, so I, I spent the majority of this time on the end of my bed, and I would, you know, my husband was sort of fanning me when I was hot and then covering me up with a blanket. So when I think back on it, that was my transition, mm-hmm. right? And I had no idea. And I started to get real scared because I felt the, the urge to push, mm. um, which actually it wasn't the urge to push quite as much as I expected. It was more like it felt like throwing up, hmm. um, but in the opposite direction, right? right? So <laughs> I said, 
is she here yet? I really started to sort of panic. And then I, you know, this is so cliche, I opened my eyes and I saw her sort of walk through my doorway and there was like this, this golden aura around her and her voice, she had long hair and she said, I'm here. And I was just like, thank God. I said, I have to get on the toilet right now. Wow. <laughs> as, soon as, she, as soon as she got there, we, we transitioned over to the toilet and I sat there for about an hour. Um, and really, you know, just released and let the baby do do some work. Um, and she was just right there with me, um, very quiet, very present, just holding space. Mm-hmm. And at one point I said, you know, that's when I said, do, do you think that I'm in transition yet? And she said, oh, honey, I think we're way past that. <laughs> and I said, um, you know, when, when can I push? And she said, well, if you're ready, I think you can push now. And I said, well, I can't do this all day. Let's get the show on the road. And I got up, uh, kind of went went out in the little right outside the bathroom on my hands and knees. And I pushed for an hour, an hour I would say, maybe forty minutes on my hands and knees. And uh, and, and there, there the baby was wow. right there. And it was <laughs> a perfect time. The perfect time. Incredible. So, at any yeah. point, did she check your cervix when she was there, or no? She kind of just let you. She didn't. No, she she didn't. She she's she's uh, she's hands off. And had I requested, I know she would have. Um, but I think we I think we knew we were progressing pretty well, mm-hmm. so it wasn't quite even the need for that. Um, but I, you know, I'm thinking back about the the laying on the end of my bed and and sort of you know when my husband was timing those uh, contractions and I couldn't believe how not in my mind I was. Mm. And that's, it, it, my brain just went away and sort of receded like a wave. It just receded to the back of my head and my eyes were closed and I knew, you know, that there were, there was people that, that my husband was speaking to the neighbor and I knew he was calling the midwife, but I was just not, a part of, I was not present in my brain. Mm. When I transitioned to the bathroom, my, my, my brain came right back and I was very, I was almost hyper aware and, um, and then realized like, oh my God, I, I, I have to push and I don't know how. And mm. I felt very worried that I, you know, it, it was hitting me what I, what was just what I was having to do right then and there. And it was hitting me and I was very much in my head. So I was surprised at how much my brain went away and then came back, you know, with a vengeance. And, mm-hmm. and I had some doubts. And when I got over them and I got the confidence and said, took a deep breath, I said, okay, let's do it. So I was surprised at how much my, my brain went away, and, but then came back. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, that was something I wasn't expecting about mm-hmm. labor. And yeah, it's interesting. We kind of see that of, of, you know, when it's time to push, there's like this clarity that comes back in women's eyes of like, you know, she's almost back like she was in early labor. And it's like, you're back in your body when you need to be back in your body, when you have to get so physical, um, during the pushing phase. So, and that's also cool to hear that your, your mind just kind of slipped away without even trying, you know, without even kind of telling your like brain, like, okay, don't think about it. Just like, it just sort of took it oh, yeah. like the wave. No, I had, listen, I imagine, I, I did spend some time on the exercise ball, but I imagined, um, oh, I, I, I thought I would be swaying, like holding on to Gary's neck and swaying, dancing and being really like present during labor. And girl, I was like holding on for dear life on the end of that bed mm-hmm. and, you know, just 
let it felt like you know it, they say waves don't call them contractions call them waves and it felt like I was riding a raft in the mm. waves it was just holding on and letting go at the same time mm. and so you said you know when you had a contraction you your husband and also the physical support of the neighbor who came over like what were some other specific um things either verbally or physically that were really helpful for you and kind of coping with that riding that wave when I was on the end of the bed, and it was the most, you know, these times that I'm looking, you know, between three, three thirty and four thirty. I mean, that's just an hour, you know. That mm. was, it went so fast. I think my husband was. Yeah, every time I would get a contraction, he would, he would, he would tell me, you know, when and when it was coming, mm. you know, and then when it was ending, which was very helpful. I think um, because I, it was just sort of like a, a metronome of like, okay, this is happening, this is happening. It, it was sort of. Um, you know, that was something to sort of focus on. And then he would give me the water, you know? So mm-hmm. it was like every contraction, he would tell me when it was coming, he would give me the water, he would fan me and then cover me up with a blanket. So mm-hmm. it was sort of a, uh, a rhythm, mm-hmm. you know? And that was helpful um, in that moment. My neighbor, she sort of physically, like I said, held me and she, she, she grabbed my big toe at one point, mm-hmm. which was supposed to serve as maybe sort of a distraction, mm-hmm. like the focus on the big toe, which I remember was helpful. Um, but as far as words, you know, my husband just said, um, I don't think he talked so much because he was focused on time in the contraction. Mm-hmm. But then later on, it was just trust your body, trust your baby, trust the process. Mm-hmm. And that was the the repetitive phrase, trust your body, trust the baby, trust, and I would repeat what he said. He would say, you know, do you trust the baby? I said, yes, I trust the baby. Um, Mm. So so those sort of small affirmations. Um, And he also helped with, you know, cold water, ice water, uh, with a rag. I'm, you know, putting my, pulling my hair back. I felt very, very supported. Mm. The words, the physical presence, and the, 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 the physical presence of my midwife that was she was just right there right right there um it was amazing and did you use uh hydrotherapy at all like a tub or shower no (laughs) because no because I couldn't even I couldn't even move I mean I went from the exercise ball to the end of the bed (laughs) to the toilet to the floor and that was it I I, there was no my my neighbor actually was so so sweet she filled up the tub for me and I was like I cannot move my leg. <laughs> There's no way that I, I couldn't move. It was mm. so, I couldn't imagine how these other women could be like get in and out of a tub. I, I was mm. like down. I couldn't do it. No, it didn't occur to me. So, so what time was the baby born again? 713. 713. Okay. And so you would say, um, things got kind of cooking around 330. Or that's, that's, that's what I'm seeing. I, you know, it's so hard to remember. Yeah. It's, but, but yes, but that's a fast, just, fast active labor and birth for a first time mom. Yeah. Did you ever, know, and it's so mm-hmm. fun. Go ahead. No, no, finish your thought. Well, I was going to say my, my mom, uh, would tell me that all the time, you know, I had really fast labors. I think this is going to be a fast one. And I was kind of, you know, I did the eye roll, but she was totally right. It was really fast. <laughs> Interesting. And that's something that, yeah, if you, you typically birth very similarly to your mother 
especially if they're fast. I would say the ones that, you know, if you're born via C-section or, you know, those are a little bit trickier because we don't know the indications for that or why it was done, you know, 30 plus years ago. And, um, but it is actually quite true. And so, especially with the faster labors that you're going to sort of genetically, you know, birth very similar. So that's interesting that you had that in your, in your genes. Um, did it ever feel like too fast? Did it ever feel like after the birth? Were you just in shock or were you, how did you feel right Um, after? No, gosh, no, because it was like, no, the opposite. It was the perfect timing. It was the perfect, I just remember like holding River and crying and saying, he waited, he waited, Mm. he waited, you know, Mm. we it was amazing timing. It wasn't, it wasn't too fast. It was like, it was as if the baby said, mama, I'm ready. I can't hold anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? That's so amazing. it was perfect timing. I guess, yeah, and, with like a week and change of waiting and then, yeah. and then River's like, all right, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait anymore. Yeah. yeah. And the day, the day before, I think it was like, September 3rd, we have this little video of my husband and I talking to him, you know, I'm like big in the house and we're like, we're ready, but you got, you got to come out, listen to your mama, mm-hmm. you got to come out. And, you know, he was like, no. <laughs> and then, you know, then we were like, okay, everything we said yesterday, forget it. You got to stay yeah. in there. Don't come out. Just chill, you know. So, uh, you know, we talk about mixed signals, but he knew. Yeah. He knew and it was, it was. Yeah, as far as, listen, I'm happy the labor went that fast because, like I said, I thought it was going to be like, what all day is that? 18 mm. hours. You hear? I have, I, I know so many people with such long labors, and I was just, um, I guess I was just prepared for that. So I was surprised and yeah. pleasantly surprised that it was, it was so fast. Yeah. Did you guys, um, I mean, obviously you had done your research and knew about birth prior to being pregnant, but as a couple, did you guys do any sort of preparatory classes about the phases of labor or things like that? We had, uh, briefly, debate, uh, briefly discussed, should we take a class? And then I, my, I asked my friend and she's like, girl, you know, you're not going to take that class. They're going to teach you stuff that you knew three years ago. <laughs> so, um, I felt pretty confident that, uh, that I didn't need a class, mm-hmm. but he, I bought him uh, a book, which is hilarious. No, I bought him a book, um, Penny Simkin, the, the birth partner, mm-hmm. um, which I ended up reading and totally loved, but he got unbeknownst to me, he got a digital copy of it. Mm. So all the, you know, these times where I thought he was like, you know, just like on his phone, he was, he was reading a book. Mm. Um, so he, uh, educated himself a lot on it also. And, um, you know, <laughs> I knew that he was doing some research, uh, because of some comments that he would make every once in a while. But <laughs> we talked about, yeah, what what could happen, what our expectations were of each other and and I don't know, we're we're very close also. So the preparation, um you know, we did our own individual preparation and, and also as as a couple, yeah, we did, but we didn't take a class. Mm-hmm. Long long answer. No, no, that's that's so interesting and good to know and I think because um, everyone's so different and there are some 
you know, at the birth center where I work, I mean, it's, it's a mandatory thing for a first time mom is you have to take a class and, and it's mostly to, you know, educate, so to inform and thus reduce fear and reduce chances of transfer. And, um, but you know, it just helps to kind of know, but also some people for them, it helps to just kind of you know, you know what? I'm, I'm actually forget. I'm, I'm remembering something right now. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm interrupting. I'm remembering that the, with the midwife, my midwife, um, her name's Dana, by the way. Mm-hmm. My midwife. Her name is Dana. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dana had some groups with um, some moms. Uh, you know, one, maybe once a month that they would get together, and 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 I, I went to one alone, and then Davi came with me to one where the, da- the the dads were there, and there was just another another couple. Uh, and us, and we were talking about like fears, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the other couple uh, was very open and honest about um, you know fears that they had, and mm-hmm. how you know they had spent time sort of you know crying and letting go and, and trying to get in touch with those fears. And Gabby and I are looking at each other, and and I said. I am afraid of shoulder dystocia. <laughs> and, you know, my midwife was like, okay, well, if this happens, you know, we, we talked about it briefly and then I kind of wasn't afraid of it. And, mm. and, and she said, what about, what about you, Bobby? Do you have any fears? And he was like, mm, no. <laughs> and I totally believed him. Mm-hmm. Like I totally believed that he was just, he was just confident and he felt good about it and he wasn't afraid. And, and this is someone that, Five years ago, he thought that every birth there was a curtain, mm. like at the at the mom's waist. I wow. said, you know, that, <laughs> he didn't know, but he was he was very confident and he wasn't afraid. I think he was very excited. Oh, that's amazing! And that's I mean, and that and that's so cool that that made you feel confident because sometimes I think when the partners say they have no fears, they're just saying that not to like add pressure or more to your plate right. to like worry about. But the fact that you really right. knew he was being truthful and honest and meant like, okay, then we've got this. Yeah, Which is absolutely. So great. Amazing. And so, you know, what would be wise words or just helpful things for, for other expectant moms listening to the story of like how, you know, what, how to prepare or just sort of helpful tidbits. I mean, everything that you said has been so helpful, but if there's anything that stands out that is like, man, if I could pass on this tidbit of, you know, information. Well, I, I read maybe three or four books on birth uh, in addition to online resources. I mean, I was fascinated with the whole process. Mm -hmm. And as I said earlier, you know, when you're in it, it's great. It's great to know ahead of time, but when you're in it, it doesn't serve you as much as you would think. What serves you is, trusting, um, knowing that you can be scared and be brave at the same time, um, knowing that it's the most exciting thing happening to you ever, um, knowing that, um, that as soon as it's over, the, <laughs> the joy that enters the room and enters your body and your being is overwhelming Mm. and so any fear or pain or worry it just melts in a second Mm. um I also wish I would have read a little bit more about um breastfeeding and postpartum care because like I said I read all the stuff about birth but I wasn't as prepared for postpartum Mm. um 
I mean, I ha- I prepared like I had things. I had like you know balms and ointments and sitz baths and everything, but I wasn't mentally prepared for just how wrecked uh, I would feel. Mm. And you know, it, I, I don't know if I, I mentioned that River was born at seven thirteen at night on Wednesday, September thirteenth, mm-hmm. and the very next morning. We went upstairs to our neighbors and we stayed there for two weeks um, because they, they came in to do work on our apartment. They had to, you know, tear out some walls that were wet and, wow. and rip out the carpet and we couldn't be in our apartment for two weeks. So, you know, being out of our home, not just before, but after, it was really, really hard. So perhaps my postpartum uh, experience would have been a little bit different had I been able to just, you know, be at home. Mm-hmm. But, um, I would say absolutely ask your friends the questions that nobody asks, mm. right? Um, you know, the things about postpartum, um, that nobody, you know, everyone says, Oh, nobody talks about them. We need to start talking about them mm-hmm. more. Um, and I'm not talking, I mean, like, even little tricks, little, little, little tricks. Ask your friends, ask your, your sisters. And I don't know if moms are an amazing resource also, but I think what I've noticed is that um, they forget, mm-hmm. right? Even your, even your friends who have five-year-olds, they, they forget things. Mm-hmm. So try to, try to ask someone who has, like, a three-month-old mm-hmm. or a two-month-old because they're in it. Because once you're out of it, you forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to someone um, and then pass it on and then pass it on. Thanks for listening to Milk Trails. I'm your host and midwife, Haley Oaks. Be sure to visit midwifemilktrails.tumblr.com to access the show's notes, view photographs, or leave your comments. Stay tuned about new episodes by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and tell all your pregnant friends about it. We'll catch you next time.